Ezekiel is told to turn his face towards Jerusalem. Now, this is what God says. He's going to prophesy to Judah and Jerusalem. And prophesy means talk about the future. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Jess. And this is Bible Discovery TV as we go through the Bible. We're doing that in one year. Very exciting. Today with Ezekiel 21. We're going to explore that about five minutes time. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I'm going to be focusing in on different divination practices that happened in the ancient world, some of which are mentioned in Ezekiel 21. Ryan? Yeah, well, similar to Corey, my focus is on Ezekiel 21, 18 to 23, which mentions the king of Babylon using different methods of divination. Very interesting indeed. Okay, Janice? Healing or destruction is the title of my segment today. All right, take your Bible guide out. If you don't have a Bible guide, stay there. We'll tell you how to get one. But the most important book of all is the Bible, written by God. Let's open it up and listen to it. Ezekiel 21, 1 through 11. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, Set your face toward Jerusalem, preach against the holy places, and prophesy against the land of Israel. And say to the land of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you, and I will draw my sword out of its sheath, and cut off both righteous and wicked from you. Because I will cut off both righteous and wicked from you, therefore my sword shall go out of its sheath against all flesh from south to north, that all flesh may know that I, the Lord, have drawn my sword out of its sheath. It shall not return any more. Sigh, therefore, son of man, with a breaking heart, and sigh with bitterness before their eyes. And it shall be when they say to you, Why are you sighing? That you shall answer, Because of the news. When it comes, every heart will melt. All hands will be feeble. Every spirit will faint. And all knees will be weak as water. Behold, it is coming and shall be brought to pass, says the Lord God. Again the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, Prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord. Say, A sword, a sword is sharpened and also polished, sharpened to make a dreadful slaughter, polished to flash like lightning. Should we then make mirth? It despises the scepter of my son as it does all wood, and he has given it to be polished that it may be handled. This sword is sharpened, and it is polished to be given into the hand of the slayer. Ezekiel chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Ezekiel 21 and 22, two chapters here. Now, this is interesting. The end is not coming quickly. When's the last time you heard a preacher say that? You see, there are at least another thousand more years after the tribulation when Christ will reign over the earth from Jerusalem. But what is coming quick is the return of the Lord Jesus. He comes and removes those who love him from the earth. 
or Babylon before the Lord even begins his judgments. Now that is what I believe. And the Lord desires that we know when he is coming and why. The sword that is used to judge is also coming after the last three and a half years of tribulation. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. You can read about it in Revelation 19. Now this sword is a symbol of God's judgment and wrath. Now we read about it in Ezekiel 21. God says to Israel, behold, I am against you and will draw my sword from its sheath and will cut off from you both the righteous and the wicked because I will cut off from you both the righteous and the wicked. Therefore, my sword shall be drawn from its sheath against all flesh from the south to the north. And all flesh shall know that I am the Lord. I have drawn my sword from its sheath. It shall not be sheathed again. Ezekiel 21, verses 3 and 5. Now, this is important because as we look at the end of time, we need to consider what is God saying and why? And this is also the, the prophets and revelation, they go together. And this is also exactly what God has said. Now, uh, if you want to turn your, with your Bible guide to this chapter, chapter 21, and if you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us, we'll send you one. And uh, if you don't, if you, a faster way to get it, seconds, seconds. Uh, you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you click on the Bible guide there, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you click on it, it takes you to a page and it, for donations. And let me just say, the donations, we don't, we don't ask any amount. We just pray that God's spirit speaks to you. Father God, speak to everybody. Thank you, Lord. Speak to everybody. We need to hear from the people in the United States and the people in Canada. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And God will speak to your heart. Just do what he says, and we'll, we'll live with that. And it'll take you to a place where you can download it just like we printed it so you can see and be have a part of it in your computer and in your phone or iPad, whatever you want. And uh, it's very good. But today, the end. The end, that's the name of the title, exactly, because that's what the Lord is speaking about. Father, I pray today that as we talk about the end, you would help us to hear you. There's a lot of people talking about this, and I pray, Lord, that we would speak to it from the Bible, not from our thoughts or our feelings, from the Bible. What does the word of God say? So help us to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. We're going to look at the word of God. Holy Spirit, come into our hearts and reveal this to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit has done that, and he continues to do that. So let's listen to what he said today. Here is the first verse of chapter 21. It's interesting. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, Set your face towards Jerusalem and preach against the holy places. What? Absolutely. Preach against the holy places and prophesy against the land of Israel. And say to the land of Israel, thus says the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, behold, I am against you and I will draw my sword out of its sheath and cut off both righteous and wicked from you because I will cut off both righteous and wicked from you. Therefore, my sword shall go out of its sheath against all flesh from north to south, that all flesh may know that I, the Lord, have drawn my sword 
out of its sheath, it shall not return anymore. Fascinating. God tells Ezekiel that his sword of judgment is drawn to cut off both righteous and wicked. Now soon the Lord will come and take us out of here. Let me tell you something. That's what I believe. Now, some people don't believe that, but, and I'm sure there's many who don't who watch me, but I can tell you it's nothing to really get upset about because we all believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, but that's what I believe. And it's important to hear what he said. He said, I will not draw my, or put my sword back in its sheath. Really? Exactly. Very interesting. So the word of God is the sword of the spirit. That's what God is calling his sword. So if we don't need a new Bible, we need to read the one we have and we need to understand it. That's a really important process. So anyway, Ezekiel 21 verse six says, sigh therefore son of man with a breaking heart and sigh with bitterness before their eyes. And it shall be when they say to you, why are you sighing? That you shall answer because of the news when it comes, every heart will melt. All hands will be feeble. Every spirit will faint and all knees will be weak as water. Behold, it is coming and shall be brought to pass, says the Lord God. Second point. God tells Ezekiel that the heart of every person will melt and come to nothing before God. Now, we must never mess with or doubt God's truth. You know, so many people say to me, well, I made a deal with God. I made it. Everybody wants to make a deal with God. There is no deal. There's no deal. You don't make deals with God. God has already made a deal with us. If you call on my son, Jesus Christ, he will forgive you of your sin. Confess your sins to him. Ask him to come into your heart and live as Lord of your life. Then you will be saved from the judgment, which is coming. The judgment is coming. That's what's going on. So we need to understand that's what's happening now. We need to get it. All right. Ezekiel 21, verse 8. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, say a sword. A sword is sharpened and also polished. Sharpened to make a dreadful slaughter. Polished to flash like lightning. Should we then make myrrh? It despises the scepter of my son, as it does all wood. And he has given it to be polished, that it may be handled. This sword is sharpened, and it is polished to be given into the hand of the slayer. Boy, I'll tell you, this is intense. God tells Ezekiel that the slayer is coming for the slaughter. The Antichrist is coming soon, beloved. The one who is not Christ, the Antichrist is coming soon. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ today, right now. He is our only way. I just tell you this, I'm not going to use emotion. The Antichrist is coming. There will come a man and he will take over. It'll seem like the good thing to do, but Jesus already came. And we can come to Jesus right now by calling his name. He's as close as the mention of his name. Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sin. Help me, Lord Jesus, because I need forgiveness and I need your help. Be the Lord of my life. Amen. Father God, help us today to understand that. In Jesus' name. 
Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. All right, well, today, Ezekiel chapter 21 records the king of Babylon performing uh, different modes of divination. Specifically, three kinds of divination is mentioned in our scripture reading today, although there were other kinds. But today I wanna focus in on this, these forms of divination from ancient Babylon, because not only would ancient Israel have been very familiar with it and have engaged in some of it, but they would come up against this more and more as more exiles continued to filter into Babylon. Take a look. While the Bible contains its fair share of the spiritual, it expressly forbids the practice of divination in any form. It draws a clear line between the covenant of God and attempting to solicit answers from gods and spirits by manipulating offerings. Divination was not only widespread in the ancient Middle East, it was diverse. There were many different ways to gain supernatural knowledge, and because both commoners and kings found value in that knowledge, modes of divination were codified and manuals written very early on in history. Today, museums around the world have about 500,000 cuneiform tablets that are instructions on how to perform and interpret various forms of divination. Stemming from a belief in the connectedness of the physical and spiritual worlds, people often examined their offerings to spirits and gods, believing that the divine would send messages through that connection point. The biblical book of Ezekiel mentions three different kinds of divination that the king of Babylon is known to have engaged in. Divination by sheep's liver, by arrows, and by consulting small idols. These methods of divination and many others are attested to in Babylonian records, but by far the most popular method for kings and the royal courts was divination by sheep's liver. It was the most expensive of forms, as it often involved the sacrificing of several sheep to ensure the practitioner was understanding the message correctly. Divination, especially of sacrificial sheep livers, was never seen as being false. If a prediction turned out not to be true, the fault was placed on the diviner. They were said to have missed a sign or misunderstood the message somehow. Notes would be taken, added to records, and the knowledge of divination grew. According to some of the translated tablets known today, the Babylonians credited a very ancient king who lived before the flood with starting the practice. With its royal origins, natural value in everyday life, and particular value for kings and commanding armies, diviners could gain prestigious roles of honor and fame in their nation. Now, it's easy for us to look at these ancient forms of divination and say, especially here in the West, well, I would never do any of that. I would never try to do any of that or get direction from those ways. We just don't believe in it because that's not part of our culture as it still is in other cultures around the world today. But what is a part of our culture is still rebellion against God. There are still temptations for us as Christians to get our direction, physical and spiritual, from other things other than God, whether it's the people around us, whether it's ourselves. And 
If you think I'm way off base here, I encourage you to check out 1 Samuel chapter 15. And this is when the prophet and priest Samuel is chastising King Saul. And verse 23 says, for rebellion is like the sin of divination. Rebellion against God is like the sin of divination because you're taking your direction. You're saying no to God's direction and you're taking direction from another source. In Saul's case, it was himself. He, he was rebelling against God and following himself, which I don't know about you, but that hits way too close to home for me to be comfortable. Yeah, it really is. And you know, you, you mentioned this not in our culture. And it seems to be reverberating in our culture now. Yeah, there's different forms of it that we have. I mean, there's the occult, there's tarot cards, there's mediums and, and things of that nature. And make no mistake, all of those things are outlawed in the scripture. We're not to take part of it, even as tempting as it may be. I mean, uh, I was posed with this question. I won't take up too much time, but but I was posed with the thought of um, if a medium came up to you today and said, I have a message for you, what would you say? Our answer should be absolutely not. That's divination. Thank you. I know you're trying to help me, but no, 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 thank you. These are constructive things that we need to think about because, because those types of things are in our culture. So there are occultic practices and forms of divination in our culture, though they look different than Babylonian divination. We need to be careful to stay away from those. Yeah. And that becomes a really important thing for everybody listening. Thank you, Corey. Very good. Ryan? Yeah, well, I'm actually picking up on this very theme. And my segment today is all about Ezekiel 21. And there's a lot in this passage, but the verse that I want to focus on specifically is verse 21, which again refers to these three modes of divination that the king of Babylon, which was Nebuchadnezzar, will use. First, the shaking of the arrows. Second, the consulting of the idols. And third, the examination of the liver. Now, what is this all about? Well, check it out. In Ezekiel chapter 21, the Lord sets up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to be the one to bring down the southern kingdom of Judah, though the king will believe his decision will be made through divination. Specifically, through the shaking of arrows, the consulting of idols, and the examination of the liver. The shaking of arrows was a common practice of divination in the ancient world, and according to Jerome, in this particular Ezekiel passage, each arrow to be used had on it the name of some town to be attacked. The arrows so marked were put into a quiver and shaken together, after which they were drawn one by one. The cities were to be attacked in the order in which the arrows were drawn. As Jerusalem was on the arrow first drawn, there the king proceeded. Another old writer says that the arrows were thrown up to see which way they would fall, and in this manner the course to be taken was indicated. In fact, some of the sculptured slabs at Nimrud are supposed to represent divination of this sort, the king being seen with arrows in his hand. Another mode of divination was the consulting of images or idols. The Hebrew word translated as images is teraphim, and is the same word used to describe the household gods which Rachel stole from her father Laban. Apparently, these images are supposed to have been rude representations of the human form perhaps the statuettes of deceased ancestors. Additionally, some think that the teraphim were supposed to be able to give any information one desired. The third mode of divination mentioned here is the inspection of the liver. It is said that among the Lusitani, the livers were obtained not only from animals offered in sacrifice, 
but also from prisoners taken in war. The Orientals considered the liver to be the most valuable of the organs, because they thought it most concerned in the formation of the blood, and they believed that in the blood is the life. The ancient Jews, Greeks and Romans, and some other nations, supposed the liver to be the seat of the passions, much like we today consider the heart and the soul to be the seat of the passions. The lower part of the liver was the portion which was used in divination, and there were certain signs which were considered to be of good or bad omen. If the liver was of good size, sound, and without spot or blemish, prosperity and success were expected. If it was too dry and had blisters, postules, or if it was parched, thin, hard, or of an ugly black color, disappointment and adverse fate were looked for. For Nebuchadnezzar, it became obvious who was next on his hit list, though it was not really through divination as he thought, but rather through the will and the want of the one true God. So these were all methods of divination that were employed in the ancient world. And what's so funny here is that God really sets up Nebuchadnezzar. He actually lets this Babylonian king think that the decision to besiege Jerusalem has been made through these pagan methods of divination, when in reality, God is the director and the producer of this whole episode. But what I love about God is his amazing mercy, because when you fast forward a few years, we see God repeatedly revealing himself to King Nebuchadnezzar through the prophet Daniel. And of course, it did take some time for this prideful Babylonian king to finally humble himself before God. But when he did, it so impacted him that he wrote about it. And if you didn't know, this testimony is found in Daniel chapter 4. And the whole chapter is written by King Nebuchadnezzar. And in it, he makes a lot of amazing declarations about God. But probably the most powerful is the last one, which is recorded in Daniel 4, 37, where he says this, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. Very well said, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, that's right. And that's, you know, one of the things that I, I think we'll see, Nebuchadnezzar in heaven, we'll see. Corey doesn't believe that, but that's okay. I, I, jury's out. I think the jury's out. I think we don't know. Anyway, it's a, it's a really interesting. Corey doesn't believe it's, that. Well, it's, it's just a really interesting uh, uh, position to be in. But uh, yeah, it's really something. Only Genesis. God knows. Only God knows. That's right. Well. Speaking of that, Babylon is being used in this chapter, as we see, as the sword of God. God uses Babylon as his sword of judgment. Ezekiel 21 verse 2 says, And say to the land of Israel, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you, and I will draw my sword out of its sheath and cut off both righteous and wicked from you. God's opposition to his people is expressed by the image of the drawn sword, the common way of referring to warfare in the Old Testament. And I wanted to draw our attention today to that sword, that same sword. Hebrews 4, chapter, or Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Ephesians 6, verse 17 shows us that the sword is part of the armor of God that we as believers are supposed to put on every day. Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, 
which is the word of God. This word of God, I titled my segment, Healing or Destruction. Does the word of God bring into your life healing or destruction? This ministry, it's been titled many things over the years, Life Lessons from the Bible, Life Lessons, Quick Study, and now Bible Discovery. Uh, We have been many things, but we have always been focused on teaching God's Word as the authority. And our verse, uh, one of the key verses that this ministry has been built on is Psalm 107.20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Psalm 107, as a homework assignment for you, is a wonderful psalm of thanksgiving to God for his great works and his deliverance. Over and over in that psalm, it says this, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I personally want to put my hope and my trust in God and in his word. And that's why we're here today. We're all learning together. We want to be able to bring to you the word of God every day. We want to bring it to you in writing with the guide. We want to bring it to you through the different segments that we offer each day. But we want you to get involved and to love God's precious word as much as we do. Uh, Today, I've written myself a note here. The sword, his word, it's like a surgeon's scalpel, isn't it? It can bring healing or destruction. A surgeon is well-trained and knows how to use that scalpel to begin to do surgery. Um, We're the same. If I tried to take a scalpel and do surgery on you, you'd be in big trouble. And so would I because I'm I'm not gifted in that way. But the same with God's Word. Let's put the Word of God in our hearts so that we know it, so that we might not sin against God. Get it into our hearts so that we're not just reading it, but we're applying it in our lives with everything that we do and everything that we say. Well, Rumble is a new social media network, not new, but it's new to us. And we've gone on it. Uh, our, all of our programs are there and our 24-7 channel, seven days a week, 24 hours a day is there with all the programs we produce here. I want to encourage you to join it and uh, be a part of it. It's not interrupted by commercials or anything. It's on Rumble, Bible Discovery on Rumble. Check it out. Today we pray, Lord, I need to be ready for your return. Forgive me of my sin and make me ready. 